Please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Hey, it's Martin the Mailman. It's your man Chandler. And I'm Young Leezy. We are the Kind of Movie Critics. Welcome Chandler back. It's been like 20 years since we talked to him. It's been a long time, and I've been through quite the journey. You know, now I'm a person whose face is on TV, uh, as well as their voice. Um, It's interesting. Things have changed. And uh, one reason I, I, and by the way, I've been a loyal listener the whole time, but one reason I haven't been able to join you guys as often is I just don't see that that much stuff anymore. Um, I'm very excited to have moved into a new phase of my career in my life, but it does mean that I don't get nearly as much time to watch movies. So I find myself listening to you guys' episodes like a long time after the fact, but it's fine. And I'm happy to be here uh, for this one today because uh, we're talking about a show that I think a lot of people probably haven't caught up on yet, but they should. Yep. We're here to discuss the Disney plus series, star Wars for Disney plus and or the show that nobody asked for. Nobody asked for it, but I was like low key excited about. I wasn't because (laughs) Like, I don't know. I've moved into this new phase in my life where I, I just am immediately skeptical of anything that is produced for Disney+. Plus. Like, I, I think the Marvel shows have really fallen off of a, a, a tall cliff. Like, I just don't think that those shows are really worth their metal anymore. And I still watch them, at least like the first episode of each one, just to see if I'm interested. Um, and then, you know, the Obi-Wan show, other than Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, which and they were both fantastic. I just thought that show felt like a like it should have been a movie. It should have been thirty thousand thirty million dollars more expensive and you know f- uh, three hours shorter. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, we got the version that we got. And so this show, I mean, I was excited about Tony, Tony Gilroy being part of it, but you know, I, I was like a spinoff of Rogue One. I mean, who needs that? That's like. You know, you're getting, you're really diluting the sauce here in terms of Rogue One already being a spinoff, and then you're taking this other character, who Cassian is my favorite character from Rogue One. But I was just skeptical of it. Now, I did want to say before we got into this, uh, Lizzie, can you describe the the cap that I'm wearing right now? <laughs> I have a cap. Well, on. he's not wearing a throwback jersey, but he does have on a Yankee fitted. <laughs> I have on a Yankee fitted. That's right. Now, I don't know if you guys saw what I was for oh. Halloween, but. I'm going to go ahead and make a change in hats here. Now yeah. he is dressed like uh, the most beloved alternative to Star Wars George Lucas character played by Harrison Ford. Everyone's, Jones. everyone's favorite colonizer who somehow isn't canceled yet. Indiana Jones. <laughs> you go back and watch. That shit is racially offensive. I got the whip right here oh! if you want to talk about racially oh. offensive. <laughs> I cannot with you. Uh, yeah, I haven't, like I haven't seen you guys in a while, so I wanted to, you know, I wanted yeah. to bust out all the uh, all the tricks. So I'm here. I'm wearing the <laughs> Indiana Jones hat. We're having a great time talking about a Lucasfilm property. This is great, Martin and Lizzie. I miss you guys. We missed you too. Yeah, I hadn't seen you back. since I think what Corey's birthday, and at that point, I hadn't seen you since before the pandemic. I don't think. I know. You know, we should have recorded some raw audio there because that was one of the few times that the whole KMC crew was in one place. Including, including Jesse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, you know, people message us every week like, is Jesse okay? Is he alive? <laughs> Have we heard anything from him? Where is he? Yes, Jesse's okay. He's just way cooler than the rest of us. Yeah, I think I like touch stuff. I was just telling Martin though, and um listeners, please weigh in somewhere and let us know. Like I kind of like this format where like whoever is available just comes. <laughs> so I think it's that- cool. It's like a panel. Yeah. yeah, and I, I mean, I love it when it's all of us, but like, there's way less pressure involved to get it done when it's just whoever whoever can be here. Um, so Andor, um, yeah, Andor. <laughs> what, what what is your overall feeling about it, Martin? Um, well, for me, I, I think I agree with, with uh, Chandler. Like, when I heard they were doing Andor, I was like, why? And then I saw <laughs> the trailer, and I was like, the trailer actually looks good, but they're doing. 12 episodes so i was like there's way too many episodes for yep. a Disney plus series they're gonna fuck it up or whatever <laughs> or stretch it out and whatnot i mean like the last like before uh obi-wan was a uh, boba fett and only like two episodes of that show and they were they didn't have boba fett in them so <laughs> <laughs> it's like i had a really low bar for um 
for this show. But um, obviously, I, I like Rogue One a lot. And um, I knew Tony Gilroy was doing it. And uh, I liked the trailer. So I was, I was kind of cautiously optimistic about it. But I ended up loving it. I, I, I think it's probably like one of the best Star Wars things I've seen and probably the best Disney Plus thing I've seen so far. We have vastly different feelings about this. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What are your main thoughts on I it? am here for Space Wizards. That's what I'm here for. And um, I did love Rogue One. Rogue One is like of the recent Disney films, like my favorite. Um, I need a Space Wizard, though. Um, Kung Fu adjacent Space Wizard was freaking awesome in Rogue One. I love um Riz Ahmed and the just that movie just hit completely like mwah, chef's kiss but I do not give a shit about what the regular people in a galaxy far far away are fucking doing like I don't care <laughs> and there's too many of them I'm like who are you <laughs> so Lazy. That's how I feel. I mean, I I mean, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come because I can't. I have FOMO. Like I can't not know what's going on. I with like like you said with the Marvel properties um, that they. I mean, the Marvel series that they made. Like the last two, I just didn't. I watched like two episodes of Ms. Marvel. We kind of talked about last episode, and I like did not bother with She Hulk. I saw the trailer and was like, absolutely not. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I skipped around. I probably need to watch it to know what's going on. I probably need to watch Ms. Marvel, but like I'll get to it when I get to it. Let me be great. Um, I, I don't know, man, like, I guess like we can get into like my thoughts about how it ranks among Star Wars properties. So I haven't watched any of the animated series. I did watch some of Jedi Tales, which I did enjoy that. Um, but I know you mean Tales of the, of the Jedi? Sure. Because Tales of the Jedi is like the shorts where it's like three of them are about Ahsoka and three of them are about Count Dooku. Is that what you watched? Mm-hmm. Did you um, like those? I liked seeing Yaddle. That was kind of cool, giving her things to do. Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Um, but um, I didn't watch the Bad Batch. I'm not going back to Clone Wars or Rebels. Like, not gonna happen. Whatever I learn about um Rebels is gonna happen during The Mandalorian, and they better give me all the exposition because I'm not watching it. I would say, though, among the live action series, this one ranks pretty low for me. I would still put it. I mean, I put it on par with Boba Fett. I'm like Martin. Boba Fett was cool, but it wasn't good. And the, the best parts of it were like secret Mando episodes that were nestled in. it. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to say like it's it's tied at the bottom with Boba Fett for me. I agree with you about the Boba Fett ranking i mean i i love timura morrison i i felt like that show really didn't give him too much to do like mm -hmm. i'm and i'm even here for the arc of like boba fett kind of um you know it being reborn from the sarlacc deciding that he wants to change his life around um and learning that lesson on a very small scale just hanging out with a group of tuscan raiders like i like all that i just thought the show felt uh way too long and like just there wasn't a whole lot going on and then um, when the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda show up and then you get like uh, crucial plot elements for their story in the show that isn't their show. I thought that was a mistake. My hot take is that Boba Fett should have been just part. You, you could do like one or two episodes inside of Mando season three that focus on Boba Fett. And that would be cooler. You know what I mean? Like flip flop the equation. Mm -hmm. But I think Andor, I'm totally with Martin, man. I, I was so skeptical of this show. I thought 12 episodes is ridiculous. It's way too long. And I loved it. I, I agree, Martin. I think it's one of the best Star Wars things ever. I think part of that is that it occupies its own unique space within the franchise. It doesn't have the same tone as anything else. It's not telling the same kind of story as anything else. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is actually something that they kind of borrow from the animated shows, where we do these multi-episode arcs, where... Really, if you think about Andor, it's kind of like four movie-length episodes that are split up to come out weekly. And, and I like that a lot. I like it being like four stories. And that makes it feel really centralized. And there are a lot of characters to like get to know and love or hate. But um, unlike Lizzie, yeah. I was 
thrilled by that. I loved every new face and like learning their name and what they're all about. Um, I was extremely thrilled by this whole thing. Now, full disclosure, I am also somebody who liked the animated shows. I think Rebels is better than Clone Wars, but I like Clone Wars a lot. I actually got to see um, a screening of the the finale of Clone Wars um, with Dave Filoni a few Ooh. months ago um, in Anaheim, which was super duper cool because they showed it in an audience with thousands of people. And that was, you know, it was a TV show. It, was, it never had screenings before. So I'm like all in on this stuff as far as like the animated world and getting into the real, um, the nerdiest corner of Star Wars. Yeah. But the thing about Andor, and I want to see if Martin agrees with this, Andor is like a show for people who don't care about Star Wars or know anything about it. I think it is generally just a good show that's really accessible and has more relatable themes than a lot of other Star Wars stuff. Martin, would you agree with that sentiment? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd 100% agree. Um, like, I think when Tony Gilroy took over Rogue One, he kind of famously was like he didn't care about like the stuff you're talking about, lazy like lightsabers and all this like all these tropes that come with Star Wars. He was just like, I want to make a good story, and I I think that's definitely what he does here with Andor. I mean, I I can certainly understand the criticisms. Like, I mean, as far as Star Wars stuff, all it is for like I feel like the entire series is like maybe a droid, maybe like four or five aliens a kyber crystal and <laughs> a couple stormtroopers and that's like all the star wars stuff that's in this show everything else pretty much feels like fabricated or made like specifically for this show mm-hmm. in a way that uh i really appreciate it i mean i just i just love that watching all these disney plus shows that like the writing isn't dumb or like stupid like it's it's made for adults which i think kind of messes it up like kind of is the reason why it isn't as big as it should be because like it's it's an adult show it's essentially like an hbo drama closer to the wire than it is closer to like the lat like boba fett but it's on like a kid's network (laughs) so it's like it's not gonna do that well but i i do appreciate that we're gonna have at least these two seasons uh they can't take that away from us hopefully unless (laughs) bob Iger (laughs) bob Iger just starts Cutting, making some cuts. I think that's more of a JPEG thing than an Iger thing. But I, yeah. I, I do agree with you. This show feels, in this season of TV, you would put Andor up against, like, um, you know, like White Lotus or House of the Dragon, like these right. really high tier mm-hmm. um, adult dramas. That's what Andor is competing against. It feels totally in a different league than what Star Wars has ever been before. Well, I think it's kind of counterintuitive what you just said, though, Martin, because you feel like Disney Plus is for kids, but kids don't pay for Disney Plus. Adults do. So yeah. it's just like they have to give us something that we're also excited about. My daughter doesn't watch near Disney Plus nearly as much as I do. I don't pay for it either. Shout out to our other melanin deficient friend who's not here, but he yeah. holds me down. So <laughs> we hold each other down. But um, I mean, I do. I do like what the Disney series are doing, they all like kind of pick a different genre as their lane. So I would say like Boba Fett's like a a gangster origin story, whereas like um, obviously the Mandalorian is a space Western and this feels more like just like a crime and a spy drama. Um, so I, I like that they're, tone- I think that they're all tonally different from each other. Um, and there are some things that I would like to see in season two. I just feel like the buildup to them kind of took a while. Um, did you guys have any like specific parts of the story that were your favorite? Uh, yeah, I mean, anything that uh, Stellan Skarsgård was in. I mean, I've been walking around the house going like, don't you want to fight these bastards for real? I've been doing that like every day. And you're working into every conversation. That's like a, that's a solid Stellan Skarsgård. You have my respect. Thanks. You know, I've been doing Stellan since 2011 when he turned up in Thor. Um, and I, you know, I, I was really rewarded that he showed up in this show. And now I have more quotes that I can throw out. Okay. Um, so here's a fun, here's a fun like sidebar before we move on though. Sure. Let's, let's get your best Baron Harkonnen since you can do Stellan Skarsgård. Uh, what does he even say? I mean, look <laughs> now I know cause you're a real Dune head. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, like, I don't know how I feel about you calling me that. <laughs> you're a dude with no racial or cultural connotation. <laughs> but i don't like i saw dune i thought it was good i didn't love it um and i i mean all he does is like take a big dirty oil bath in that in that movie i (laughs) didn't a lot for some reason (laughs) yeah but i saw i don't have a baron harkonnen but he i remember him saying cool stuff okay i can't i can't tell if he's like a a good actor or a bad actor just because he has that same facial expression like the entire show but it's like, except for that thing what he puts on the wig. That's but it's the, like, but that's the point is like he he's like hiding everything underneath. Martin, I that moment when he puts on the wig, and it's one of these intimate moments that Andor gives us a lot of. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I think that's why the twelve episodes justify themselves. But you just spend a couple minutes with him putting on this wig and this different outfit and sort of embodying this persona. And he almost it's reminiscent of like um, the scene in Joker where Joker's in the bathroom after he kills those guys and he kind of does the dance. Except yeah. the version in Andor is a better version of that scene because it's more subtle and less hacky. Um, don't at me about that. But, uh, <laughs> you no, know, I, I think that Stellan's one of my favorite actors. I love seeing him in full badass mode here. Uh, like He has some really cool action beats, um, some really great monologues that he gets to deliver. Um and on top of that, I mean, I just think he's such a compelling actor. Even if you go back to like Goodwill Hunting, he's he's kind of a weird character in that movie. Like he's sort of a dirtbag, but he's still likable. Uh, I just Stellan Skarsgård is like one of the one of this show's secret weapons, of which there are many in the cast. I mean, the cast is just there's there's so many like because I know they shot it in uh, the UK. Like mm-hmm. there's so many great like British actors in this show. Like it's it's funny to me that uh I don't know her name but she was the waif in uh, Game of Thrones. Do you remember her? She's Vale in this series. Oh yeah. Oh, you're right. She is in Game of Thrones. But it's funny because she's like a teenage girl in Game of Thrones. But in here, they're like talking about, oh, you're too old to get married, like your spoiled milk type of thing. <laughs> but yeah, she was like funny. just a teenage girl like a few years ago. But I, I I just love this this cast so much from uh the girl who plays Bix like. Yep. The whole She's prison gorgeous. arc, like, <laughs> the, the cast is just absolutely amazing. That's one of the things I like about the show. Sure. Yeah, when Andy Circus showed up, yeah. I was, like, cheering and dancing in my living room. I was like, yeah, yeah, I cannot believe this guy is here. And then, I mean, he gets to, he gets one of the best roles in modern Star Wars. Like, I, I really hope that he is still alive. I can't wait for him to come back. I uh, hope he didn't fucking drown. I know, yeah. but you know what? Even if he did, it's like, wow, what a way to go! Like, you know, three episodes of incredible television, and then you're just out of there. And and I hope that season two, um, hopefully after this show gets nominated for, maybe even wins some Emmys. Maybe we can even get some bigger cast members in there. I mean, they just started shooting it now, so I hope they got some more secret weapons in there. From your yeah, mouth, and, the God's ears. Yeah, one uh one cast like I thought he was gonna last a lot longer. Um, Eben Moss Backrack. I forgot mm-hmm. exactly who he plays, but he's on the Bear, right? And that's yeah. that's definitely one of my favorite shows of this year. But uh, he was great. He's kind of like the um the slimy like con man who was trying to like rob everybody at the end of the uh, heist job. I feel like he always plays a character like that, but they gave him a lot to do here, so I think that was like an excellent use of him. Yeah. I think his name was like. Skeen or something like that. Ar- Arvel Skeen. Skeen. And the, uh, there you go. Yeah, Skeen. And the um, the kid was uh from the guy who who makes the manifesto. He was from Black Mirror. He's like yep. the yep. shut up and dance guy. Yep. Which yep. I thought it was cool because I haven't seen him in anything since then. Yeah, I mean, but just yeah. every every new character that comes in. I even um uh, the the Imperial lady Dedra Miro, and I forget the yeah. actress's name, but like she's incredible. Um, and all of the Imperial cast who just come in to do like one or two scenes an episode, they're all great. Like, it's just a well-made show um, from a production value standpoint, um, as far as like direction goes. I think the show never feels cheap. Uh, it never no. feels rushed. And it always feels like the writing and direction took precedence as far as like, what are the main things that we want to accomplish with this show? So I think uh, divorcing it from how you feel about its place in Star Wars, which is, uh, I, I do want to dig in on Lizzie's feelings about that. I just think that it's incredible to see a show that feels so confident in itself and has 
so much of its own identity, which in Star Wars is still a thing that we struggle with, um, even with a movie like Solo, which I feel like is a pretty good movie. But like, Me too. You can't divorce it from the larger uh, canon that it's a part of, and thus you look at it more negatively, even though like if you just watched Solo as like a summer afternoon movie, you'd be like, oh, it was great. Yeah, I I mean, I was I love Catherine Hunter. I feel like she doesn't have enough to do in this show, but like which when she does show up, she's just I'm I'm excited. I'm all giddy inside. I'm like, "Okay, come on, <laughs> guilty mom. Like like let's let's lay on like just be a trash mom and I'm here for it." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, she's just she's just throwing all the subtle shade and I'm like, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those scenes with her and um, oh God, I can't remember Cyril, Cyril yeah, Karn. Cyril, yeah. yeah, that guy. I mean, he is hilarious. Such a pathetic character. Um, and he's funny in the first few episodes, and you kind of laugh at him. And then, even though he's like he's a bad guy, he's a fascist. <laughs> but I kind of feel for him, and I kinda, I started rooting yeah, for him. You start to root for him, and when he end, definitely. Dude, yes, when he and Dedra are in that closet, like I feel like I'm rooting for their romance. It's almost like a Pride and Prejudice thing, which Star Wars is always riffing on Pride and Prejudice in a lot of different ways. But with them too, and I just it's oh, it's great. It's just so much fun. Yeah, I I it it's interesting. So like the argument with with people who love Star Wars, I mean present company included, is always like who is really the good guy and who is really the bad guy. So I think like the the play here is that I think Cyril Karn has like the most pure intentions out of anyone on the show because I mean at the very beginning like Andor murders two people. So like he's the police and he wants to go get him. <laughs> so like he's not is is he is he a fascist because he wants to go pick him up cuz he killed two people like I mean, his superior explained to him he was like they fucked with the wrong dude and they got it what was coming to him. Which is true, but like he still killed them. <laughs> so I mean, I think sure. once he once he once he sees like what happens on Ferrix and sees what Dedra does, sees what the Empire does to the people. I think if he still sticks around, like he's definitely a fascist to me. Okay. I mean, I, the he is. I mean, that's the thing. It, wanting law and order doesn't necessarily make you a good guy. We've learned that lesson in real life. So uh, true. I, um. I think in in classic Star Wars, and this is, you know, a little bit trite, so I'll make it fast. But in classic Star Wars, you know, it's just the rebels are the good guys and the empires are bad guys. Right. Uh, one thing that Rogue One started, and Tony Gilroy, of course, did rewrites on Rogue One, came in, directed some of the reshoots. Um, but that started this whole baton that we're passing through this show of the rebels are kind of like a terrorist sell yes <laughs> um and and the empire is more complex than we thought so it's it's complicating both sides it's saying well mm -hmm. the empire is full of people who maybe at the end of the day just want to do the right thing but they can't possibly do the right thing because they're part of this establishment that traffics solely in oppressing mm -hmm. um the people across the galaxy and then saying about the rebels that hey there's a lot of rebels who are kind of bad guys and maybe don't have the best intentions but overall, the cause represents something good. Um, and, and there's deliberate, it starts in Rogue One and keeps going here. Um, the imagery that we're shown really compares these guys to like uh, familiar uh, depictions of like terrorists in the Middle East. Um, I think you can draw some connections to the IRA and stuff if you want to look it, uh, at it through that lens. Um, and I do think that it is kind of challenging, but. That's cool. It's cool to have something a little bit more morally complex in Star Wars. And I like that this show kind of gives both sides these characters that you can attach yourself to from a point of view kind of perspective. I think it's extremely realistic, too, because mm -hmm. there's there's in a situation like that, like you said, where we're talking about like um, the comparisons to the real world. It can't be realistic if everyone is shiny and white and dirty and black. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So. um and I agree with you. I think like the the depiction of the empire here is much more even handed because you see that these people they just have jobs to do, and then the rebels come and they they want to overthrow this this oppressive regime, 
But they also like the way they go about it is like going after the everyman and stealing his paycheck. So it's like, ah, oh, what the hell? Like, who are we rooting for? Like, obviously, I want you to win, but I also kind of like that's really shitty. So um, I do like that they're muddying the waters there because that makes it much more um, realistic. I mean, like and like you said, Martin, like is the wire. We root for who we perceive to be the bad guys on the wire. It's not the cops who are the good guys. Like, you know what I mean? So. It's it's a it's a fun ride in that way. And I like that it adds like that complex element and it it makes it more adult to me in that way. So that is something that I do appreciate about where the stories are going. Did you guys have like a favorite arc for mine was definitely the uh, for me. I just love heist movies. So the heist arc was my favorite, although I feel like the prison arc was probably better, more better done. But I just love the heist arc the most because like. I guess one one moment in the heist arc is like the way I pictured it in my mind, it was going to happen. I thought it was going to be like a Ocean's Eleven type thing where like they just get in, get out and nobody knows anything. But when they just start turning, turning the guns on people, I'm like, oh, shit, it got real. <laughs> like People are about to die. I thought they were just going to sneak in and sneak out with the money. But it's like, nah, like it got real serious. So I, I just love that about the way they ratcheted up the tension throughout that episode was great to me but what about you guys uh prison arc for me although i loved every arc in the show i mean the first arc too the way it uses the flashbacks to you know i so i think there's something to be said for every arc but it's totally the prison arc for me uh just because that last episode the emotional payoff is so strong just watching all these guys get out and we're trained to think you know oh something's gonna go wrong much like it does in the heist arc but with the prison arc at the climax, nothing goes wrong. These guys all just work together, and it's this really uplifting moment anchored by um, Andy Serkis's hopefully Emmy Award-winning performance um, as Keno Loy. I, I mean, that's I, like the that best acting I've ever seen from him, which is insane. Yeah, you yes. get to see his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, mean, from an actor who has given so many great performances, I agree. That's at right. the top of the list. I um I also like the prison arc the best. But I did enjoy the climax of the story um, where um, I can't think of her name because there's so many freaking names to keep up with. But where Cassian's mother. Yes. Thank you. Where we're at her funeral and she has uh, stored her. Her own eulogy in this droid who is like by far the most lovable droid in all of Star Wars. He's so cute. Yeah. And the way that I love K2SO and then this one comes along and I'm like, no, I want to keep you forever and love you. Cause I, I love that they give him an attachment. I um, mean, he's, there's nothing special about him, but like we love him anyway. But I, I enjoyed that portion of it. I also liked, I liked that they gave Diego Luna a black father. Um, I don't think we see enough depictions of black fathers as positive in, um, in modern media. So like having that tucked in a star Wars story where they've like, um, notoriously had issues with like representation in the past and they're trying to correct for that. I think this is one of the more meaningful ways where they've done that instead of just like shoehorning a person of color in just for the sake of colorblind casting. So I, I really enjoyed, like you said, the prison arc. I, I almost wanted to cry when he was like, he couldn't swim. Cause I felt like, uh, Cassian was going to like, put homie on his back and was like, hold hands with me, we'll jump, and then, like, I'll carry you out. And then he got knocked off the side of the ship, and I was like, fuck, none of them are going to save your boy? Like, what's good? That was just really, really sad. But I do hope he made it out some way. I hope we get to see that and that he gets to come back. It's interesting that you bring up the black father thing, um, because Cassian's dad... It it adds uh, additional subtext to the fact that he was lynched in the town square as well. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and so it's not colorblind casting, which is, yeah, that is something that is problematic. Um, not in the, I mean, it's good means to an end of getting more different kinds of faces on screen, but it, right. at the end, it's like you're kind of diluting the message. It's, you know. It's it's one of these things that these big corporations do just to say that they did it. Disney has been guilty of that many times. <laughs> many, many also, times. Also with especially um, LGBTQ plus representation. They've done it in Star Wars before, too. I mean, like, you know, the the uh, same sex kiss that happens at the end of Rise of Skywalker, where they basically have a press release before the movie comes out. And they're like, hey, stick around. They're going to kiss. They're going to kiss. <laughs> yeah. And it means absolutely nothing. And then this show, 
has this depiction, this really lovely, nuanced, complex d- depiction of a of a, a same sex relationship, and and no one's talking about it, which is interesting. So maybe it doesn't give Disney as much credit in the long run, but it's definitely better for the culture and it reflects better upon this show see to me that's better because it's not self-congratulatory and i i on this show have said many times i think that uh queer love is over sexualized in the media as a means Mm -hmm. to normalize it and to me that's not how you do it and i think there's a place for that obviously i think that queer people deserve to see themselves being affectionate on screen i just think it's gratuitous in a lot of unnecessary situations and in this one i felt like the nuance was there. It felt like a they felt like real people and not uh, gay characters who were like squished in here just for the sake of being there. I agree. So with that. I I I like that. The, that's what I like to see. I, that's what I'd like to see more of, and I appreciated that here. So I I just I but I love that like nobody's patting themselves on the back like hey we got a black father and some lesbians over here. <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. And they've been they've been doing that just random kissing and I I saw like this big press release about um, China banning, uh, which I don't think happened. I think people were just lying. But like China banning um, Wakanda forever because of the the forehead kiss at the end. And I'm like, well, I think when the World of Wakanda series comes out, like they're fully in a relationship and they better get that right. I trust Ryan Coogler to do that. But yeah, I I think like in terms of representation in this show, like. It's meaningful without being rammed down your throat or without being too surface. And to your point, when you just throw people in with colorblind casting, there's no like context around their cultural experience. And they're just, you wrote some white people and made them not white. Yeah, <laughs> so that's exactly I, it. I, I enjoy like the thoughtfulness of the representation that appears here as opposed to like how it's not really present anywhere else. It's interesting yeah. too that uh, I mean, the the rebels, or at least the group of characters that were shown in this series, is very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ethnically, uh, a wide range of ages, economically um, even. Econ- I was going to say class backgrounds are really this. That's something this show really digs into in an interesting way, um, and it is when you think about that. Star Wars is usually like. There's there is a wizard, usually, <laughs> right, or a monk. You know, the Jedi are kind of monk like, and then there's always like a scoundrel. Um, I mean, the original the original story is like a poor farmer, um, a, a gunslinger, and a princess, but they don't really feel different from and each a other. Monk. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly, and they don't really feel like those backgrounds inform their characters at all, mm-hmm. other than like Han Solo, which is I think why he's one of the more endearing. Um, and enduring characters because you can kind of perceive that background. And that's, and I'm not, I'm not trying to put down old star Wars. I love the kind of space opera light fantasy. That's not what that is trying to do. Well, that's not what, that's not the goal question. of that story. Go ahead. Like, do you feel like, I mean, I get those uh, archetypes. Do you feel like in a way they're doing that with Luthen being the, like, the Jedi figure and Mon Mothma being the princess figure and Andor being the scoundrel. Do you, I mean, do you think he's a Jedi? I keep seeing that. I don't, like, I don't think he's a Jedi, but I think he's, but he fulfills he's that sort of mentor yeah. role. That's interesting, yeah, Martin. I hadn't thought about that. He has a Kyber that. crystal or whatever. So I feel like he was attached to a Jedi that was like killed or something like that. I think if you want to look at it in terms of like it being a riff on those classic Joseph Campbell archetypes that take place in fantasy stories. I think that that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it through that lens, but I think you yeah. could definitely put a, a you know, a video, a 10 p pe- a 10 minute think piece video essay on YouTube about it and probably get a lot of hits. Yeah. That's what we should be doing. Make some damn money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, I, d- I like the, the class element of it. And like, because I think that a lot of times in stories like this, we get to see the, the poorer people like doing all the heavy lifting. And I think showing Luthen and Mon Mothma, and especially at the end where she has to make all these sacrifices with her family and like, she's got to launder the money and like explain away that. And like, she throws her husband under the bus to do that. And like the most uh, strategic way 
Um, I like that it's showing like women and, 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 and how smart we are and how useful we are in those situations and, and women in leadership without like making it a thing. But I also like that it's showing like in these situations, someone has to pay for it. And that's also complicated for them. They don't just get to be puppeteers in the background. Like I, I, I enjoy that they like made the stakes high for everyone involved. Yeah, I think that, um. It's actually something the show is in dialogue with itself about, um, like who's willing to get their hands dirty and how does that look different for each kind of person? Like Mon Mothma's not in the pits, you know, doing the the heist or whatever, but she's definitely putting everything that she has on the line mm-hmm. in the way that she can. Um, Vel is kind of doing that as well, right? But then Cinta, who comes from a totally different background, is critical of Vel not being willing to get her hands dirty. It, and right. it even they make this subtext text in the last episode when Vel is worried about the bl- literal blood and dirt on Cinta's hands. And Cinta's like, that's part of the job. It's not my blood. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. Um, so I, I do agree. I think that it, and, and we're shown fr- from every character's um, viewpoint what they're putting on the line and, and how difficult it is for them. And I, I'm fascinated by that. The, I, the speech that Luthen gives where he talks about the sacro I mean, that is just one of the best all time star Wars speeches, just incredible made a lot greater by the fact that he's sitting there with incredible lighting and a Cape that's blowing in the wind. That really helps too. <laughs> yeah. Jives the point home. Like, <laughs> Hey, this is a serious moment. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, pay attention. This looks incredible. We didn't even talk about we got Forrest Whitaker in this show for a couple episodes. I <laughs> hate the that accent Saga, that he does that in Saga accent. I <laughs> so cannot funny. stand it. And then he has the stupidest hair. Like, <laughs> well, look that that hair is canon, and I love yeah. that they they keep like each point we see him that he's on a different point in his hair journey because like. We've established that, like, at some point he had the, like, clean buzz cut, right? Right. But now, uh, in Rogue One, he's got, like, the big kind of freeform fro The Frederick Douglass he got going on. So he's kind of at a midpoint. His hair does look bad in this show, but it is kind of halfway there. Like, he started letting it go. He's experimenting with it, seeing how it's going to grow out. (laughs) I I hate that he whispers and yells at the same freaking time. Like, it drives me crazy. (laughs) And I'm like, regionally, what accent is that? What are you doing? <laughs> I, and I think when you jump into Rogue One, his voice is like, oh, wow, that's a that's a choice. And now <laughs> he's done it so many times that yeah. I, I'm i like, it also. <laughs> I know. Yeah, when he, when he shows up in this show and he's like, Luthen, my old friend. You know, like, oh, really dialed it back. Wow, what yeah. a subtle take on that performance. Way to go for us. <laughs> I just imagine the, I I just imagine the director going subtlety. <laughs> it is cool. I mean, just for being a Saw Gerrera nerd because he shows up in uh in Rebels as well. And in, initially, this is well known, but he was on the Clone Wars first. It was a different voice actor. He was just a random character in mm-hmm. one arc on that show. Uh, but Forrest Whitaker does him all the time now. He's done him in at least two video games, I think. Um, oh, I love it. And then he was in Rebels. Um, and, and so he does have these different, like he's got dials on the performance. So when you see him at different points in the timeline, sometimes he acts really normal and and sometimes he's, you know, just being totally wild. But I, I thought it was cool that in this show, he has the kind of armor that is recognizable from Rogue One, but he doesn't have that respirator yet. And also he's fully capable of like walking around on his own. He doesn't have the robot legs. So he's not a cyborg yet. yet. Right. So I wonder, will we see that happen to him in season two? Probably not. Um, and maybe it's cooler if it just happens off screen. But still, I think it's kind of neat to be able to track that progress. So yeah, like- the, only, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. the only thing I, I thought we were going to get this season, we probably won't get it until next season, is like what happened to his sister. Because they completely went away from that like storyline. Yeah, I, I did expect that to play into the finale. Um I hope that they pick that baton back up in the next season. If they yeah, don't, they I'd be will. okay with it. But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But this is one of those things I wanted to ask, like, do you guys feel, I, I feel sad knowing what happens with Cassian. I, and I love what happens to him in Rogue One. But if this show ends where Rogue One begins, 
that's not a happy ending for Cassian because at the beginning of Rogue One is like he's in a bad place. Mm -hmm. And and I wonder how the show can really have a cathartic ending. um, If the ending for the main character is that he's sort of gotten to this point where he stripped away most of his humanity and just devoted himself to this cause, this radical cause. I just that. And honestly, I'm eager to see Tony Gilroy interpret that journey. I mean, speaking of like, what else do you, think we'll see in season two like is there something else you're looking forward to martin well i don't think we have enough time for like a whole bunch of seasons um but i would i would expect that towards the end of maybe this series or the end of season two that like we'll see like luthan is like the a main villain in a sense that like luthan will do something he'll go too far and i feel like cassian andor will have to like reluctantly put him down and that could send him in a really dark place that would get him to like rogue one basically i mean he would still be working with saw Gerrera and mon mothma and everything like that but i, I think everybody could see luthan luthan is willing to sacrifice like 50 people for like one shaky like mole or whatever so it, it, he already said he's willing to do a lot of things and i think cassian probably has a limit to what he's gonna do i like that i hadn't thought about that I want to see some freaking space wizards, one in particular. I want Darth Vader. And anyone who has a problem with that can suck it. Like I, see, <laughs> I don't need I a lot of Darth Vader. I do want but I do want Darth Vader. Darth Vader was my favorite part of Obi-Wan. He is my favorite part of Star Wars, period. The Sith Lord is back. Like I want <laughs> more Darth Vader. I'll give um, you Darth Vader, but I don't. I don't want to see his lightsaber out though. I just want to see him at the table, ha- at a meeting, like he is in A New Hope. I want to see him talk. You know, the guy who played the Maester on Game of Thrones, who's like Dedramiro's boss. Yeah, Kyburn. I want to see yeah. like Vader come sit in on one of those meetings. I think that would be rad. I I just I want him there. I, we need we need at least one space wizard, and if we were gonna pick one, he's the one. I'm I'm ready for K2SO. I'm ready for some levity. There's like very little humor. And K2SO is one of my favorite parts of Rogue One. So like bring on the funny droid. Like we're we have a lovable baby one. Like now we need a funny one. We need a C3PO. Where is he at? I got two things. Um I want to see Kino Loy come back. And Tony Gilroy has kind of said already that you know he specifically didn't show the his body on purpose so you don't see him die so hopefully that means that there's time for him in season two um i imagine this is my like uh, fanfic brain I, I cassian's out on some mission they encounter another rebel cell oh surprise it's led by kino loy and then they have an emotional hug and i cry and it's great um the other thing i'd like to see is you know we've evoked um Emperor Palpatine on the show a couple times by name. Um, I would love to see the Emperor, even if it's just in a Senate meeting. I love that we're back in the political sphere of Star Wars. It's one of the things about the prequels that I actually like and find interesting. Um, and I, I'm a prequel defender anyway. We should know that yeah. by this point. But, um, <laughs> I think that I would love to see Ian McDermott as the Emperor um, talking about his political views because that's something that we get a lot of in the prequels and then you'd never really know how the emperor feels about anything later on in star wars so having him present for one of these um sort of long political dialogues that the show has done quite a bit of i think is really interesting and also uh in the end of the obi-wan show spoilers for obi-wan but he has a cameo and he's got a different uh version of the makeup on uh, it's not the makeup from Revenge of the Sith, and it's not the makeup from The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he has a makeup on that cl- more closely resembles the um, Return of the Jedi look for the Emperor. And I think if they went through the process of like sculpting and casting that makeup, I don't think they just did that for one appearance on the Obi-Wan show. I think that they probably spent all that time and money making this more... Um, original trilogy adjacent look uh because they intended for him to be on the show so it's one of those things i actually feel kind of confident will happen so well, what if we was can't... The, what was the last movie the last skywalker or something like that he, he looked weird in that one rise of but skywalker. he's not he's not supposed to <laughs> be him skywalker. though right he's a clone 
Yeah. Uh, well, Rise of Skywalker, he has two looks. He has like the zombie kind of decayed corpse look, which is really cool. And then he has the look where the red and black robes where he looks terrible. He looks awful. It's a terrible makeup and bad design. Well, I, I do think, feel like yeah. if I can't get a Darth Vader, then I would be happy with an Emperor. I think they could both work, though. I, I think it would be really cool to see both of them show up. And it doesn't mean you have to have the Force or lightsabers or whatever. But they are part of this. They're part of this story that we're seeing, whether they're I'm, on screen or not. So why not put them on screen? I think it would. I don't think they would do it. Well, I don't think they would do Palpatine just because the reception to um the last movie, like a lot of people didn't like it, or a lot of people didn't like him coming back. Period. So I don't think they would put him in there. I think it would be funny to see uh Darth Vader just go into like an ISB meeting, and it'd be like so meticulous and boring that he just yeah. gets ang- angry and like throws the computer and walks out. <laughs> <He starts, laughs> that would be so people. funny. Yeah. I do think another thing I might want is I want to see like how. And it'll probably come more near the end of the series, but I'd like to see Riz Ahmed back, and I'd like to see like how he ends up with Saw Gerrera. Like I would like to see that a lot because he was yeah. also some of the comic relief and added some levity there. It sucks that we waste they wasted such a great actor as like Riz Ahmed on like one movie, even though <laughs> Rogue One is like a great movie. But it's like Riz Ahmed, Donnie Yen. It's like we just they they can't come back in any of the Star Wars stuff. So I would love to see him in this series. You know, you could almost do like a whole plot line about Riz Ahmed, uh, you know, deciding to leave the Empire and and go work with Saw, like everything up until where he is in Rogue yeah. One. You could do that could be part of one of these, you know, three episode arcs that would be really cool to see. What I think is interesting, though, is that Lizzy, you started off the podcast by saying you don't like the show, but you've been saying stuff that really seems like you're into it. So. I mean, I want them to make this show more like Rogue One is what I'm actually saying. So because I'm over here thinking about how I'd like for Mads Mikkelsen to be back. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and this this is where they can show up. Um, So, yeah, I don't need what was her name? Felicity. Whoever Jen Urso is like, I don't need her. I don't need her. Oh, she's great. Come on. But no, 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 no. In terms of like. As part of Cassie and Andor's story and where people fall into the story, we we know what happened to her. So like I don't I don't need to to fill in any gaps for her. That is what I'm saying. But like that that I think I think season two could turn this around for me with the introduction of like uh, filling in gaps for plot lines that you see later on in Rogue One, where they just kind of throw you in the middle of it. Like, well, let's see the beginning of it because that's what's happening here. This is what the whole point of it is. So like I it is low for me because there's no space wizards, but we're talking about how we can put them back and then it would be what I want it to be. I don't think Tony Gilroy gives a shit about what I want, but we're gonna see. He's he's obviously not here for fan service. Like I don't think any of this was that. And so I don't think he feels like um any type of pull to make sure that we have it. So I I'm cautiously optimistic. I think we're gonna get at least some of the people that I named. But we'll we'll see. I think we probably will get a Maz Mickelson, maybe a Riz Ahmed, probably. I mean, I would love some space wizards, so maybe a Palpatine, maybe a Darth Vader. But I think he probably is staying away from that on purpose. I actually saw a rumor the other day that, and this might be good for you, um, Lizzy, but uh, there was, and it was from a source that is like kind of reputable, but not really. But that they might do a spinoff show for and or, and it'll be called If When. You know what? I can't with yeah. you. <laughs> Welcome back, Chandler. <laughs> had that one in the bank for a while. You had that one at the ready? Yeah. <laughs> Swish and flick. <laughs> From the hip, yeah. <laughs> I heard there might be a big spinoff, but I don't know. I feel like that's just a made-up rumor. I don't yeah, need, probably is. I don't need that. Oh, yeah. I don't but again, I didn't think we needed this show either. And it's proven it's it's proven its worth. Um just because the show is good. And and that's what I want more of. I, and I now that, you know, Chapek is out and Bob Iger is back, I think I'm not, a, I don't know a whole lot about Bob Iger as a person, but in terms of content for the company, it seemed like we were in pretty good hands with Bob Iger. And it seemed like maybe we were not in as good hands with Bob Chapek. So maybe... Maybe uh, Star Wars content will be okay on Disney Plus with Iger back at the helm. But, you know, there's still, I, you got to talk about, like, 
diluting the brand and Mando is going to keep going and this Ahsoka show, which I'm really excited about because I love Dave Filoni and he said that it's going to be like a samurai story, but I love it. What do you think that that Andor means um, for the future of Star Wars as a brand? Uh, And Martin, I would be interested to hear your perspective first on that. Um, I think it'll be tough because it's you like for me personally, I'm gonna compare a lot of stuff to Andor. Like if like if the writing isn't there or like there's a lot of fan service or unnecessary like action that I don't really need, like I'm gonna just be like, Well, Andor is better. I know that's unfair, <laughs> but that's just how I'm gonna feel with like a lot of these Disney plus like Star Wars shows. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I it's it's kind of bad because it's showing me exactly how bad or not up to par like some of the other content is. What do you think, Lizzy? Um, I am excited for wherever we're going. Um, I don't think that I'm as low on this series maybe as Martin is. I didn't. I mean, I didn't watch the Bad Batch. I don't know how you feel about that animated series and how it adds to anything, but I am in love with the Mandalorian. Like. That is, bring that shit on right now. <laughs> like, that's what I want. I really enjoyed Obi-Wan. Like I said, like, I think this ties with Boba Fett for me. I don't think Andor is the worst thing I've ever seen. I got through it. I didn't give up on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I clearly told you that. I just said, not watching that Marvel bullshit. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. um, and obviously, I have more of a love for these properties than than that. But I I do think that, in the same vein of what Marvel has been doing lately in telling, like, using um, the IP to tell genre stories, I think is great. And this is just a really grounded story. And I think there's room for that. I think there's room for more of that. I don't feel like that is necessarily diluting the brand. I just feel like um, maybe what people get frustrated with is they feel like it's oversaturated. But mm-hmm. I haven't like just thought that like okay y'all just made some bullshit except for maybe most of it what was that but um I mean we can we can forgive them for that and just see where it goes I, it's not like they're I don't I don't feel like it's it's rushed and it's low production value so like I'm not mad at it and I feel like that's what's happening on the other side of the house so like I hope they keep that there like there's there's You're referencing Marvel. Marvel. I feel like there's like a huge leap between some of the series in terms of production value. And I don't see that here. I was very glad to leave Tatooine um, for this series. We didn't go there once. I didn't get to see the dual sons. Um, (laughs) I, I, I feel like there was lots of people to keep up with here, but I'm glad to see some new people. It gives us the opportunity for this story to go on in new um, and interesting directions. And maybe circle back around to some other things. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just here for the ride. As long as, as long as it's going to take me somewhere. Bad Batch is one of those shows. Like, y- you only need to watch it if you were like really into the Clone Wars, and then you want to see more of that kind of stuff. Like, I, I love Star Wars, but I'm not somebody who is really engaged with anything outside of the films and the TV shows and the occasional video games. So, like. There's all these different levels of how deep, you know, you'll find Star Wars fans who go like, oh, you got to read the books or, oh, you got to do this comic series. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. Expanded universe face asses. Sure. (laughs) Like, I I will at least take a stab at the TV shows and I'll watch all the movies. But like, that's that's my buy in. And I think if you want to draw the line, like I'm not into the animated stuff, but I'll check out the live action stuff. That's fine, too. Um which sounds like kind of lazy, like that's your pocket. Um, I, if you ever do decide to go into the animated stuff, Rebels is a great clean entry point. It's a really, really strong show. And, and maybe mean, you'll like the Ahsoka show so much that it makes you want to go back. I kind of hate watched Rebels until like the end of season two. That's when I actually started liking it. But it was like a kid Martin. show to me before, before that point. But that's okay. Star Wars can be for kids. <laughs> yeah, but I just couldn't. <laughs> like, because people hyped it up so much. People hyped up Clone Wars and Rebels so much that I never really liked the art style, but I didn't really like sure. the show until like the end of season two. Well, you know, uh, people overhype Clone Wars and never mention the fact, because like Clone Wars does have some great stuff in it, especially like the more recent later seasons. Yeah. But 
like half of Clone Wars is unwatchable. It's just some of it's terrible. And I yeah. watched it when it was on TV. So, you know, and I you was, were a child. <laughs> I was a teenager. Right. And I still was like 16. Like, oh, this sucks. And I've rewatched it all. Like, I've seen it all. I can I'll talk the nitty gritty Clone Wars drama with you. Rebels, I think, is more consistent. And and when you talk about season two of Rebels, James Earl Jones shows up and like has like a recurring role as Darth Vader. He's in it a lot and he's really, really good in it. So there there's stuff there. But there's nothing quite like Andor, which is, you know, just to, to bring it back, I, is is what one of the things I like about the show so much. It feels so unique. It's not checking any of these other boxes that Star Wars stuff um, usually checks. And and I, I, I see where you're coming from, Lizzie, that you want it to be more like Rogue One. But I kind of enjoy that it isn't doing that. And I like being on the edge of my seat. Like, I, I just don't know what to expect from this show. It keeps doing weird stuff. Uh, even when new characters come up, it's like, I don't know. Are they going to be around for one episode? Or are they going to be in every episode? I, I'm just enjoying the ride, but I do. I thank you for elaborating on your um, point of view. Cause I, I think you're probably not the only person that feels that way out in the world, you know, great. Um, Corey started watching. We commented last time about he doesn't watch anything. He started watching it like what two days ago, and he was like, "I'm lost." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I felt at first. I was like, "What are we doing here?" But he said he loved Bix, though. <laughs> he would, yeah, That's, of course. <laughs> in his former life, yes, he would. I can I can walk into a room and I'm like, "That girl right there. That's the one." Uh, <laughs> So, well, yes. with Corey's propensity for older women, I'm surprised he wasn't really into Marva. <laughs> he might come back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I can just see me like, mm, Marva. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out uh, to him who doesn't listen to this show, so he won't know that we were talking shit about it. No, it's probably yeah. better that he doesn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what else did you want to talk about, Lizzie? Um... I was going to say, though, even though I don't watch the animated series, I did enjoy Droid Tales. Um, I mean, we... Is it the Lego show? The Lego show. Was yeah, good. it's good. I, I enjoyed that. Like, I sat through all of that, and I was very entertained. Um, no, I think, I think like, I've, I've said all I have to add as far as Andor goes. I am going to keep watching. I'm not, like, giving up on it um, like I've done for some other things that I watched and watched and watched. I was like, nope, I'm done. So... I think it's I'm surprised been a great he made it TV. through like all twelve episodes. If he didn't like it, because I would have been <laughs> off it by like episode three or four. Yeah. It took some rewatches because you, I'd be falling asleep. Oh, <laughs> so. well. And in today's TV economy, if you're not into something after the first few hours, you kind of owe it to yourself to to jump off board because there's so yeah. much other stuff you could be watching. Yeah, which is like I've been in that boat with all the Marvel shows. I mean. Like I liked the first episode of Miss Marvel that was directed by Adil and Bilal. And mm-hmm. They're great, but then like the second one wasn't directed by them, and I was like, I don't like this show anymore. I, I watched yeah. the first two, and I got to the third one, and was like, Yeah, nope. <laughs> but that's just the it's it's kind of a sad state of things, you know. Entertainment as a whole has grown. This bubble has blown up and up and up, and so many more creatives have the opportunity to get work which is great, but like the budgets are lower for everything just across the board and people are getting paid a lot less. And just because there's so much more stuff accessible through all the streaming services, fewer people can watch those things. So uh, I'm not advocating for like the gatekeeping of like the studio system or like when HBO and um, Showtime were the only uh, guys in the game making like premium TV show content. Don't get me wrong, but it was simpler then when you had less to choose from. And then like, you know, prestige TV was like, oh yeah, everyone you know has watched The Sopranos and Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. And I kind of miss that time because now like, other than you guys, I don't know anybody who watches this stuff at work. <laughs> like I got nobody to talk about it with. No one. And watch- half of us aren't even watching it. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, that's why there's only three of us here. And right. and you know, and everyone else is trying to tell me to watch some Netflix show that I'm I, I you know, it feels rude to say it, but I just gotta tell them like, hey, I'm never gonna watch that. So tell me- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah there you go. That. I binged Wednesday too. With the hat I, I got Wednesday on, I kinda on look Wednesday. like I should watch that show. It's, I, it's I wouldn't say good. it's uh, which one, eighteen ninety nine or Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I haven't watched Wednesday yet. My kid's super into it though, which I love that for her. I like I like the main actress. She's really good in it. 
I would I would like so have have the Safety brothers been able to direct anything for Star Wars? I feel like Andor is like a really good entry point for them to do something. True. Uh, I don't think they got they're, the the list of directors for season two is already out, though, and they're not on it. But I forgot that because Benny Safdie is in the Obi-Wan show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to give them something. I don't know. Bring Adam Sandler into the Star Wars universe. <laughs> no. He actually would be good. If no. He yeah, he would. Like, yes, he would. No. He actually would kill, <laughs> kill it. <laughs> Let's bring Robert Pattinson. If he did like a punch drunk love like performance in Star Wars. Yeah, just a really <laughs> zady pitched yeah. up performance. I, could, I will allow him to voice a droid. That's where okay. I got the line. But I, I, I think like uh, Sandler as a droid would be fine. I love a droid that like you know, most of the time he's like, <laughs> and then other times he's like, shut up! That would be great. I would love Anything, it. You guys have any other thoughts on Andor? Bring it on. I want uh. more of it. I'm, I was initially like, just like Martin, I was like, two seasons of 12 episodes, that's crazy. That's way too much. And now, I wish that we didn't know that it was only going to be two seasons. I, I kind of secretly hope they just decide to make more. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. We're the kind of movie critics on Andor. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at kind of movie critics and on Twitter at kind of movie crits. That's C-R-I-T-S. And remember, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are. We're kind of not. We're just a bunch of people who like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.